Well, greetings, everyone. New Hope Radio, Dave Therrien. Thanks for taking the time out, whether you're listening live right now, having lunch, cruising around in your automobile, or listening on our Hope Club podcast. God's Word on Demand. That's what we do there. Thank you for joining me. I'll tell you what. The world is filled with people that have their own agendas. Isn't that true? It's like everybody's got their own agenda. We see it in politics. We see it in sports. And we even see it in religion. How about that? Everywhere there's people. People have their personal agendas. Even in Jesus' day, there were those who were more interested in their own agendas, their own opinions, here it comes, than in truth. Imagine that, putting your personal opinion above truth. Well, we're in Mark chapter 12, highlighting the things that Jesus said. We want to look into his heart. And uh, in verse 13, some Pharisees, these are the spiritual leaders of the day, right? The Pharisees. They were supposed to, like, you know, lead the people toward God. So some Pharisees and some Herodians. Who were the Herodians? Well, the Herodians were another group of people. They were Jewish political leaders under Rome. And uh, so they came to Jesus. And as usual, they came to Jesus to trap him. And why do you want to trap somebody? You know why? Because you don't like them. When you don't like somebody, you want to try to catch them, trap them. So that's what these two groups are doing, the Pharisees and the Herodians, or the, we're going to say, Sadducees, okay? So first of all, they built him up by commenting that Jesus was a truthful teacher, not partial to anyone, and he held the truth. Okay, beautiful. But then they asked them a question, and they said, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And then they added, (laughs) should we do it? So is it lawful to pay taxes? And if it is, should we do it anyway, Jesus? Now, this was a trick question. Always trying to trick them. Why? Because they wanted to get him in trouble. They wanted people to stop following him. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted the Romans to take him and arrest him, put him in jail, kill him, do whatever it took. Just get him out of here. We don't like this guy. And they thought they had him this time. If he said pay the tax, he'd be considered a traitor to his own people. If he said, don't pay the tax, he'd be reported to the Romans as a troublemaker, as a, uh uh-oh, revolutionary. They didn't like revolutionaries. So in verse 15, Jesus answers the question with a question. Why are you testing me? You know, he knows the hearts of people. Oh, yeah. He knows what we think. He knows our motivation. He knows why we do what we do, why we ask what we want. And he says, listen, why, why are you guys testing me? In other words, 
I know your hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trick me instead of seeking truth? Hmm. Good question. And you know, this goes on today too. People just want to avoid truth. You ever try to bring someone the truth of Christ and they're full of yeah buts? Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? Well, if God was God, why is this happening? Why is nobody want, people don't want truth. They want to avoid truth. And yet, how ridiculous that is because you know why? Truth is truth. You can't avoid truth. Truth is what it is. It never changes. It's an absolute. And only the fool tries to avoid truth. And yet people do. They argue it away. They defend against it. They try to rationalize it away. It doesn't work. Truth is truth and it's here to stay. So Jesus, he's going to answer the question. And he said, bring me a denarius to look at. A denarius was a coin equal to about a day's wage. So if you worked all day for someone, they gave you the coin. And then with the coin, you'd go and buy food. And he said in verse 16, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar. Caesar's likeness is on the coin. So then Jesus said very masterfully, I might add, verse 17, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Wow, what an answer. Some things belong to Caesar, some things belong to God. Give to Caesar what's his. Give to God what's his. See, if the coin has Caesar's image on it, Jesus is saying, give it to him. It's his coin. Let him have it. But your life has God's image on it. Give it to him. You know, every person is made in the image of God. So if the coin with the image of Caesar belongs to Caesar, then we with the image of God belong to God. Wow. Understanding that will sure change some things, won't it? Oh, yeah. That'll make us look at life differently. It'll make us look at our lives differently. You bear God's image. You belong to God. Just like the coin bears Caesar's image, and the coin belongs to Caesar. So he's saying, give the coin to Caesar and give your life to God. And you know, that goes for every person. Every person ever born is indebted to God. They owe their life to God. Why? Because they bear his image. Evidence that we belong to God. Now, you would think that Jesus was getting through to these religious leaders, right? You'd think they would have an aha moment. Oh, that makes sense. If the coin belongs to Caesar, because it's got Caesar's image, and we've got God's image, we belong to God. Oh, Jesus, thank you for that. We're going to get our lives right. No, (laughs) that wasn't the case. Now the Sadducees step in, and they had a trick question for Jesus as well. They were the materialists of the day. You know what they believed? When you're dead, you're dead. That's it. It's over. Yeah, God gives you life. You have so many years, and then boom, you're dead. You're in the ground. It's all done. There ain't no coming back. Let me give you a little profile of the Sadducees. 
And after I give you this profile, you're going to see why they were sad. You see? Number one, they were a wealthy, aristocratic group. Yeah, these were the holy rollers with money, the Sadducees. Okay? Secondly, they did not resist the Romans. They'd rather remain comfortable in their privileges. They're like, these guys were the real traitors to their people. They were, they were wealthy, aristocratic. Hey, let, let Rome do what they want. As long as they leave us alone, we're okay. We like being comfortable, big houses. We like our privileges. See, we don't make waves and the Romans leave us alone. We just get money. Thirdly, they only accepted, huh, the first five books of the Old Testament. They're called the Pentateuch. Anything past what Moses wrote, they don't want to hear it. They said, nah, that's not Bible. Fourthly, they rejected the oral law of the Pharisees, and they rejected the traditions of the Pharisees, which probably wasn't a bad idea. They don't want to hear it from the Pharisees. Matter of fact, they didn't like the Pharisees. The Pharisees didn't like them. And the only time they came together was to get Jesus. Other than that, there was, there was a great divide between them. Number five, they rejected a belief in the resurrection. They rejected a belief in spirits and in angels because they were not mentioned in Moses' first five books. Okay? So this goes to show the hypocrisy of their question because they base their question on Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, which says, When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as a wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. So they kept it in the family. If a man died, the wife was to marry his brother. So they said to Jesus, Okay. Now remember, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in eternal life. So here's what they said. A man is married and dies, leaving no children. Right? His brother marries the wife. He dies and leaves no children. Then another brother marries the wife. He dies and leaves no children. And this happens seven times. So it's like, talk about hypothetical, right? Seven brothers all marry the same woman, one after another, and they never have children. That These guys are really stretching it. So in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? They said to Jesus, seeing she was married to all of them. So they tried to get Jesus tripped up to say, well, you know what? See, there can't be a resurrection because she'll have seven husbands in the resurrection. We know that ain't right. But Jesus responded, oh yeah, here he comes, verse 24. Is this not the reason you're mistaken? That you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God? And what he's saying is, lack of understanding is the result of not knowing the Scriptures. Why don't people understand? Because it comes from the Word of God. And by the way, when people are led without Scriptures, without scriptural knowledge, the people get messed up. The family should be led by scriptural knowledge. 
If not, it's going to be dysfunctional. A country should be led with scriptural knowledge. If not, it'll be a messed up country. The world should be led by scriptural knowledge. If not, well, we're living in it, aren't we? A messed up world. So when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom, the kingdom will be led by scriptural knowledge. It's going to be a nice place to live. Oh yeah, it's going to be a good world. A beautiful world. Why? Because scriptural knowledge will be the basis of our government. That's why. So now Jesus is going to reinforce the truth of the resurrection. Even though these guys don't believe in it, he's going, to, he's going to show them, no, it's true. He said in verse 25, For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they're like the angels in heaven. Now, wait a minute. Pharisee, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in angels. And Jesus is saying, you know what? You guys are mistaken there too, because there are angels. Angels are male and gender, and they do not marry. There are no, sorry ladies, female angels. None. They don't exist. All angels are male angels. There are no baby angels. You know the little cherubs you see in the artwork? Far from the truth. Far from, Cherub, plural being cherubim, guard, they're powerful angels. They guard the holiness of God. Then we've got the seraphs or the seraphim. And they proclaim the holiness of God. One guards it, one proclaims it. And then we've got the angels. They're the ministers of God. The, and they minister to mankind on behalf of God. And we have the archangel. One of them, Michael, is in charge of the armies of God. Gabriel, he's the personal messenger of God. But there are no baby angels. There are no female angels. There's just angels, male and gender. Okay? So Jesus is showing, listen, he's, he's like, he's saying, like, I've been to heaven. I've seen the angels. I created the angels. And there is a resurrection. You know why? Because I want my people with me for all of eternity. Isn't that good to know? Isn't that good to know that God wants all people that believe to be with him forever in eternity. So let me ask you then, why marriage? Why did God give the institution of marriage? Let me give you a few reasons. Number one, marriage is given to perpetuate the human family. Okay? Secondly, marriage is a picture of the union between the church and Jesus Christ. Speaks of faithfulness speaks of intimacy, speaks of mutual love. That's why God says what what God has joined together, let no man separate. Because it's a picture of Christ and his church, his bride. Oh, we are the bride of Christ. And therefore, there's an expectation on us to be faithful to Christ. Back in the first century, when a couple was engaged, it was like being married. They were faithful. They were betrothed to each other. They were already committed to each other. And therefore, the marriage ceremony confirmed the period of their engagement that where they were still faithful. So in our engagement to Christ today, we're still faithful. 
And when we face Jesus and we're presented to him by the Father, it's going to consummate this age of faithfulness. So as a bride of Christ, we're all expected to be faithful, just like if you were engaged to someone, you would expect them to be faithful too, leading all the way up to the wedding. Okay? Thirdly, in the resurrection, there's no longer any death, so there's no need for procreation. People don't die anymore. So we don't need to keep procreating mankind. Whoever is there is there, and that's it. There is no procreation in the new heaven and in the new earth. It's over. So in verse 26, Jesus said, But regarding the fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses and the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? Huh. See, he's using the books that they say they believe in, the Pentateuch, to answer their question. And Jesus is saying, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. So you're greatly mistaken because you see, Abraham is alive today. Isaac is alive today. Jacob is alive today. Oh, by the way, Moses is alive today as well. So Jesus uses the Pentateuch to answer the question that God said to Moses in Exodus 3, verse 6, I'm the God of the living. And you know who's alive? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, they were not alive yet in heaven. They were alive in paradise. And they were waiting for the resurrection of Christ. And when Jesus died on the cross, they buried him in the tomb, and his body lay there for three days. The Bible says he went to Hades. Now, I know, I think the Catholic prayer says he descended into hell, but hell speaks of the underworld, not hell, the place of suffering or the place of, you know, the the fire and brimstone. No, he didn't go there. He went to Hades, where there was torments in paradise. Torments was a place where the Old Testament non-believers went. Paradise was where the Old Testament believers went, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Daniel, and Jeremiah, and Moses, and Ezekiel, and all the prophets, and all the believers, David, and Samson, I believe, was a believer, and Rahab, and you name it. All the believers went there, right? And Jesus went there, and when he ascended into heaven, he took paradise with him. So all the believers now are in heaven, the believers from the Old Testament. Torments are still there, and non-believers, when they die, they go to torments, waiting for the judgment of the great white throne, and they'll receive their sentence into the eternal lake of fire, which is sad, because they don't have to be there, but they chose to. But all the believers are in heaven. And they're all alive today. And Jesus says, I'm the God of those people. So they're alive. So the Sadducees, like many others, they made the mistake of comparing heaven to earth. See, heaven is not like earth. Oh, nothing like it. Matter of fact, there there are groups that make heaven like it. For instance, the Native Americans, what do they call it? 
the happy hunting ground, right? That when they die and go to heaven, they'll be in the happy hunting ground where they'll keep hunting. The Vikings, they called it Valhalla. And you know what heaven was for them? They would fight all day and feast all night. (laughs) That was heaven for them. The Mohammedans, they were a desert people who never knew living in luxury. So then they conceived of heaven as a place of fulfilled sensual desires and bodily pleasures. That was heaven for them. Now, I wonder if many Christians as well love the world so much that heaven is not even their greatest desire. For in their minds, heaven is a lot like earth. I mean, imagine being so attached to this world that heaven doesn't excite you. That heaven's not even a desire or a draw. That's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? Indeed. Indeed. To to make heaven so unimportant that this world is everything we want. Like Lot's wife. When the angels came and said, Lot, take your family and run. Leave the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Leave. And she had a hard time leaving. And he said, don't look back when you go, just go. And she made that look back. You know why? Her heart was in the city. Her body was running from the city, but her heart was in the city. And maybe there are some today, their body is following after Christ and they go to church every day or every Sunday, but their heart is in the world. Oh, we have to be so careful. We have to be careful with God that we don't compare God to a human and make God a man. And then we get disappointed or let down when he doesn't act like a man. He doesn't act like we would act. He doesn't do what we would do. And we get disappointed. We have to be so careful because God is not a man. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Oh, man, they're far above us. And it's always easy to question God from the human perspective. Here's the object of the Christian life. To learn to look at life from the divine perspective. That's the key. To change the way we think. Change the way we perceive. And try to get God's viewpoint. Not making God a man, but making man to be like Christ. That's the goal. Our journey is about becoming Christ-like, like Christ. So we've got to be so careful. Okay? Remember the words of the Apostle Paul. Things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor even entered into the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love him. That's the key. Loving the Jesus of the Bible. The Pharisees, they kind of concocted their own image of God. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they concocted their own image of God. People today, they do the same thing. They create an image of God, the God that they want it to be. And no, God's not made in our image. We're made in God's image. Let's remember that. God did us a favor. He made us to be like him. And he gave us intellect. He gave us emotion. 
He gave us a mind to think with, and He gave us His Word. Oh, He's given us so much to help us to make our way to Him. That's life. That's the journey. How are you doing with that? Are you making your way to God? Like Pilgrim's Progress, on a journey, making his way to the celestial city. It's not an easy walk. Read the book. There's a children's edition. Read, <laughs> read that one if you want to go easy. But he's making his way to the celestial city. Aren't we? What is that for us? It's Christ-likeness. This is, this is the responsibility of every single follower of Christ to make our way toward being like Him. That's why He gave us His Word. That's why He gave us His Holy Spirit. That's why He raised up the church so we could gather together, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking us or assembling together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another, one another even more as the day approaches. And what's that day? The day of Christ. Oh, every day, every tick of the clock, we're closer to the return of Christ. For us, it's the rapture. We're closer to the rapture. And we want to be found doing what God has given us to do at the return of Christ. When they say, where were you when the rapture came? I was doing a good deed. I was in church. I was at Foxwoods. I, you want to be at the casino when the, when the rapture comes? Or do you want to be doing something that gives glory to God? What do you think? I think we all have the ability to make the proper choice. Am I against casinos? Yeah. <laughs> well, good are they? They're a waste. I'm sorry. That's my personal conviction. Do I judge those that go? No. No, I don't judge those that go. I just don't go. That's all. I don't need to be found there. I'll skip the food. I'll skip the entertainment. That's okay. I can live without it. My testimony is more important. The Hope Club Podcast. Get it anywhere, anytime. God's Word on demand. Are you kidding me? Driving your car, drive to work, drive home, running errands, sitting by at lunch. Get the Word of God. Catch these programs. And then we make it so easy for you. The Hope Club Podcast. Boom, that's it. Type it in and you'll find yourself there. All right, all these messages are at the Hope Club Podcast. And don't, don't forget, join the Hope Club. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the menu bar. And by the way, you can send me an email at newhoperadio at g- seven, newhoperadio.7 at gmail.com. <laughs>